Hi, and welcome to Drafting the Dregs, where you'll get to experience all the highs and lows of an EPL draft fantasy league. My name is Isaac, and with me we have Dave. Say hi, Dave. Hi, Dave. <laughs> we have Mick. G'day. And we have Gilby. Hey there. Okay, so we're going to get kick off. Now, being the first podcast, we obviously need to introduce what we're all about, introduce what we've been doing uh, in terms of draft fantasy EPL. So we've been, as a as a group, there's obviously four of us here, another four of us, as a group of eight, had a EPL draft fantasy league for quite a number of years. Mick tells me since 2016, we've been actually uh, doing this together. We've been doing it out of an Excel spreadsheet mostly that Mick has put together, which is quite epic. And um, look, we've we've been doing it for a few years, seen lots of highs, lots of lows. Um, I may as well point out here that I'm the current defending champion. I think it's appropriate for me to say. Um, and Dave's a bit salty about that. No, no, not at all. I don't look in the past, Isaac. <laughs> okay, well, obviously not, you know, so that that's great. Good to hear. Good to hear that you're not too salty. But um, look, you'll get to know a little bit more about us as the episodes roll on and what we do. Hopefully we'll be able to introduce uh, some of the other managers that we um, are in the league with as well, and you'll get to hear a bit about them. Uh, but also just to know a little bit more about us we're going to do a little meet the manager so i put four questions to the group that they're going to answer um so the first one is just name drafting position for this year and the club that you support because we all do support a different club um use three words to describe your drafting style name three players past or present that you would include in your draft fantasy squad and what is a pass mark for your end of season position so Mick, I'm going to start with you mostly because I want to hear about the club that you support. Um, I think that's really important for all the listeners to know. So, Mick, take it away, please. Uh, yep, so Premier League team is non-existent. Uh, unfortunately, got relegated last year, so I'm a West Bromwich Albion fan. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll be back next year, right? We uh, bounce back every year and then proceed to go down the year after. But, hey, that's life. Um, good to see our best ever striker coming back to the league, though, with Chelsea. Um, the reason I started supporting the club, unfortunately, he wasn't at the club when I supported him. That's why I picked them, because they were good, and then he left, and then they sucked. So, anyway, they are. that is what it is. Um, but yeah, I'm Mick, uh, drafting from eighth this year, so last pick in the reverse snake. Um, yeah, and that's me. Pass mark, was it, as well? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, pass mark for me. I think I just want to finish top half. Uh, that that's my aim. Ideally, obviously, love to win it, but yeah, don't want to don't want to finish in the bottom half, and yeah, just really want to make sure I finish above Nathan. Really, you also got to go through your uh, three players, three um, players, past, present that uh, you would pick in your fantasy team. My, my three players, I mean, once West Brom comes back, like <laughs> my uh, my three players, one would have to be Salah. He's had like two hundred and twenty odd points in the last four years minimum. It's pretty hard to go past him. Um, secondly, I'd gone Eden Hazard. Previous years, I mean, since we've been doing it 2016, there was a couple of years where he was pretty much the sole scorer for Chelsea. Um, so I think he's the type of player that could uh, just hold the team together, as Jeff found out, I think, in the, the last year that he won it, a couple of years ago. Uh, my last player, I think I had to go for a forward. Um, 
And I couldn't really go past the 2013-2014 version of Suarez. So I think that's the uh, that's the way for me to go at the moment. Um, I'd love to have him. If I could have those three in my team, I'd be uh, laughing. So and that's probably last, the three. Lastly, was just the three words describing your drafting style. Did you come <clears> up so with three? Yeah, I'll, I'll say the three words. I've kind of... Uh, found a loophole here like I generally do, but I've gone safe, wide, and attack-minded. There's a hyphen in there, so it's okay. Um, and a bit of explanation here. I think safe, I like, uh, I hate rotation. I hate pep roulette. As much as I can, I avoid the crap out of it. Um, wide, because I think generally your wing backs, your wingers, as that go down as mids in fantasy, are the way to go. Um, so I think wide's probably a pretty good way for me to describe it. Um, and attack-minded, I think... Generally, your Kantes, your Matic generally don't score that well. They just don't get the points. So you just want to find attack-minded players. And generally, you go for an attack-minded. So the best attacking threat from a mid-level team is generally a pretty good source of points if you can't get the upper echelon of the best team. So I think, yeah, safe, wide, and attack-minded are my three. Very nice. And we might skip over to Gilby. Let's hear yours, thanks. Yeah, um, Michael Gilbert, um, generally referred to as any variation on my last name for, ever since I was about <laughs> seven years old. Uh, so to the boys here, Gilby, Gilbo, any kind of variety of that. Um, many people don't actually know my first name, but we'll keep going with that anyway. Uh, this year, for the first time ever, I'm drafting from the first spot. Um, I have had a variety of spots over the years, but drafting first this year. I'm a Man United fan. Um, I've been a Man United fan since I was young. I picked them because they had the same colours as my childhood soccer club, St. Catharines, uh, that we all played for for a, a while ago. Um, and I started playing for them when I was four. So I was looking for a team that had the same colours. Um, and they were happened to be playing Everton on TV. So they've been my team since then. Uh, my three words to drafting style is too much analysis. <laughs> um, I'll analyze again and again and again and change my mind and go back and analyze what I've done and what I could have done better and end up second guessing myself. But I've been getting better every season um, with the overall results. So it seems to be going all right. Um, my three players, I prize consistency above everything. Um, I hate flighty players that alternate between 10 points and one point. I've been bitten by them before. So I've looked for some consistent past legends because I love my old school players. And I picked one forward, one mid and one defender who I would have loved to have back in the day. I've gone with Thierry Henry. Um, I would have loved to have him consistent, never... I mean, I think he did win Golden Boot maybe a season or two. But even if he didn't score the goals, he was an assist machine as well. So I would have loved to have him. He would have got a number of ways to score. Um, in the midfield, I would have had Frank Lampard, um, who scored goals and assists for fun for a very, very long time, uh, mainly for Chelsea, then obviously for City in the end as well. And then at the back, a defender who was um, in a solid team and also took free kicks, uh, Leighton Baines, um, an old school Everton uh, legend. Would have loved to have him. And my pass mark this season, uh, top three. I've um, finished third last season to Dave, who was second, Isaac in first. That was my first time on the podium. Just missed out on a few close ones in the past few seasons. So top three is my pass mark, but my main pass mark is not losing to Nathan. Um, I refuse to lose to someone who picked Clutchy. <laughs> so that's my pass main pass mark. Lovely. Very, very good. Uh, we'll move over to you, Dave. 
Yep. So uh, name's Dave. Drafting from P7 this year. Uh, we actually had a bit of a, a roulette system going based on our past year's results. And uh, I was left with an option of, I think, sixth, seventh, or uh, yeah, sixth or seventh. Uh, I picked seventh. I like the idea of the reverse snake having a chance at a uh, next to double pick. So that was good. And I support Watford. I lived there for a year and a half, um, fell in love with the town and the community spirit and the spirit around the town. So, uh, yeah, been following them since about 2008. Uh, three words to describe my drafting. Uh, speculative, aggressive, and emotional. So I think the guys all agree on uh, most of those. Uh, like Gilby said, I hate high-variance players. Yes, they're the ones that will get you 20 points in a game week, uh, but then they'll get rotated out the following week, and there's nothing more infuriating than that. Uh, Isaac, you got something to say with regards to that? I just want to know where you picked Draxler this year. Yes, so that goes to speculative, as I mentioned earlier. (laughs) Uh, In past years, we've had a system that allows us to select anyone in the world, whether they're playing in the Premier League or not at that stage. And it just seems that every single year in the preseason, there's a lot of rumours about Julian Draxler coming to the league. And I picked him up probably for three or four years straight, and I didn't this year. I did, however, pick Varane before he'd officially signed. So, uh, yeah, we've gone with that one. Uh, Three players I would have picked in my fantasy league if I had the chance. Uh, I've also gone for a defender, a midfielder, and a striker. Uh, Start at the back, and just like Gilby, I've picked Leighton Baines. So, Nothing says fantasy gold quite like a nailed-on left back bombing up the sideline all day, whipping in crosses and set pieces for a top-half team from Liverpool. And he even had the Liverpool Beatles haircut, so how can you go wrong? Consistent, reliable, longevity, fantasy legend. Can't go past him. Uh, The midfielder I would have loved to have picked would have been uh, Mitchu. So replacing... He who shall remain innocent until proven guilty at Swansea in 2012-2013. He went on to score 18 goals and three assists. No one really saw it coming. Um, 190 points was second only to Gareth Bale on 249 among mids that year. So, yeah, I would have loved to have been on the the Mitsu train. And for my striker, uh, I've gone for... Odian Agalo. Now, the 2015-2016 version, uh, playing at Watford, obviously, not the Man United version. Um, So after tearing up the championship with his mates Dini and uh, Matej Vidra, uh, he went and backed it up the following year in the Premier League uh, with 20 goals. Um, He, uh, Sorry, 15 goals. He got 20 in the championship the year before. Um, and yeah, whilst his form dropped off in sixteen seventeen, uh, Watford did what Watford do best, and they set him on his way for a hefty pay packet. So normally it's the managers we send off, uh, but yeah, we sent him off um, this time round. So that'd be my three players that I'd pick. 
Um, pass mark, I have to say top three. Um, but, you know, as the famous philosophizer Dominic Toretto once said, if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> Absolutely. Lovely. Thank you, Dave. Now, I guess I'll finish off this little bit. So my name's Isaac. Um, I, I I drafted from sixth this year. So I in the, our roulette, as Dave mentioned, I had the very final pick. So I didn't get a choice, but he kind of left me with uh, pick six, which I wasn't expecting to be fair, but I can understand why he did that. Um, the club I support is Crystal Palace. So um, there was a bunch of us sort of deciding that, you know, we, we love football, we love EPL, we need to pick a team to support. And at the time, Mila Jednak was the captain. It was their first year in the league um, and he was absolute um, legend. So I decided to go with with Palace and have loved them ever since and been following them ever since. Um, so they are my team in the EPL. Um, three words to describe your drafting style. I would go with not so much this year, but in the past, out of position. So I I do like picking players who are, let's say, a midfielder who plays as a forward. Um, I, I, I just enjoy that. I think there's skill in being able to pick which of those players might be that. Um, so this year, for example, I've gone with, with Mason Greenwood, who I'm you know confident when he does play, he will play in a forward position. So I think he's going to score a lot of points because of that. Um, I did have other words as well, but most of them were taken up by Gilby uh, because I do a very similar thing to Gilby in preparation for the season. I was going to go with statistics, Excel, and then I didn't know what the third one was. But yeah, that that was sort of the way I was going with it because I I do tend to put a bit of a spreadsheet together and and try and make some good decisions based on that. Three players, past or present. Um, I'll go mid, sorry, I'll go defender mid forward as well. Um, defender, the Chelsea version of Ivanovic, not the crappy West Brom version. Sorry, Mick. Um, yeah, the Chelsea version of Ivanovic was a good, good version of Ivanovic. He scored a ton of points. He was always uh, a good shout. Uh, midfielder, I very recent one, I, I'm a big fan of Bruno. I just think he affects that team so much and he's incredibly attacking and most things will go through him, most points. Um and then my forward, now I've picked it as a forward because of my out of position um, my out of position theory, but Dave already went through my forward with Michu. I, I, I thought when I first started playing fantasy, Michu had his bumper season and I really enjoyed that. And I think that that sort of um, got me on that lines of, okay, let's see if I can get some good out of position players who are going to score a bunch of points. So Michu was just an absolute superstar that season so I really enjoyed him um pass mark for the end of season uh probably not the 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 last time I'll mention this but I've I've won the last two in a row sorry boys um (laughs) thanks Dave so for me I want to be if not at the top I want to be chasing down the top and still being with a shot in the last week. If I can still be with a shot in the last week, I'm, you know, fairly fairly happy with that. But uh, I think, you know, this season is going to be a little bit different. We might explain a little bit later on, maybe in another episode as well, why that might be a little bit different. But 
that's where I'd love to be. So fingers crossed we can we can do it all over again. Um, so that's sort of me and that's us as four of the eight managers and we will talk about you know the other four managers and hopefully we'll also get them on at some point and we'll, we'll have a good chat to those guys. Um, what we thought we might do, considering we've just had the draft, we've just had our first game week of the EPL, that we'd start with the draft, we'd go through the first round picks and we'd do that in, in order. So um, we will start with the one who had the first pick in the draft this year, Gilby. Could you please run us through who did you pick up? Why did you pick them up? And after the first game week, are you still happy with your choice? Um, yeah, so with my first pick, um, I broke it down the analysis to a clear top four players. Um, I had on my list of four Kane, Salah, uh, Bruno, and um, KDB. And then I looked at it and tried to take a bit of emotion out of it because being a Man United fan, you normally just immediately go Bruno. Uh, but taking the emotion out of it, for me, Kane carried too much of a risk with the possibility of the transfer and reporting back late to Spurs. So I ruled him out. Uh, KDB carried the risk of injury and not knowing the position he'd play in with uh, City not having a real striker at the moment. So for me, it came down to a 50-50 choice between Salah and Fernandez. I couldn't really split them statistically and mathematically at taking emotion out of it. So being that it was a 50-50 choice, I went with the Man United player ahead of the Liverpool player. Um, so, I mean, having a 20-point round first up, scoring a hat-trick, um, off the, obviously off to a really good start, um, basically won me that round. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm really happy so far. Um, but as with anything, if you've got your first pick, you really need him to stay on the field and you really need him to keep scoring points. Because if he doesn't, then I'm going to be in a bit of trouble. Yeah, Dave, what do we got? So just on that, Gilby, did the changes to the VR, VAR rules and uh, the fact that we've been told that VAR aren't going to be as strict with minor touches in the box, did that play into uh, or did that affect your choice in Bruno at all? Obviously, he's a penalty specialist and, okay, he scored a hat-trick and none of them were penalties. Uh, but, yeah, did that factor into your discussion or your thoughts um, at all? The, the fact he's on penalties is definitely an advantage, I think. Um, Kane being on penalties obviously increases his value a little bit. Um, but, again, I just risk, I looked at the risks of it and said the one that carries the least risk, who's going to be the most reliable source of double-figure points, um, to me was either Fernandez or Salah. Um, so, yeah, I just went with Fernandez being like uh, leaning towards Manchester United. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, with the VAR rules, I mean, Manchester United traditionally does win a few penalties. Um, so that's always a bonus too. Very nice. So, look, first pick, Bruno, I think we can all sort of agree that that's a pretty good first pick. And he did win me the league basically last year. So I'm... Uh, I'm all for that pick, absolutely. Second pick was Nathan. Um, now, Nathan, uh, you'll get to learn a little bit more about Nathan. Um, he didn't have a good season last season, uh, hence the second pick, which is very handy for him. Um, not having a good season was may- is maybe an understatement as well. He went with De Bruyne as his second pick. 
Um, I'm not sure what your your feeling is with that, guys. He's obviously in Gilby's top four. I I, I had a chat with Nathan previous or prior to the, the the pick, and I said to him, "If you have a chance at Salah, you take Salah." He obviously declined that for his own reasons. He has reasons as well why he picked De Bruyne, and we'll hear about them. But uh, Gilby, what do you reckon? What do you what do you think? Um, I think Nate probably looked at it and thought that he um, that Manchester City may win the league again, and I think that may have gone with that rather than going with what we would probably say is a more sensible pick. And from what I mean, I'm sure you'll all get to know our preferences and our history with it. And Nate is probably the probably the one that drafts based on emotion and feel more than any of us. Um, so I think he probably just wanted to have KDB in his team, despite what may have mathematically or statistically made sense. Yeah, fair enough, Dave. Yeah, so for me, uh, I look at KDB and big fan, as far as I'm concerned, uh, the best player in the league for the last you know, two, three years uh, may not have the high returns of the highest returns like Salah, uh, but in terms of influence on a game, for me, best player in the league for the last two or three years. That said, he's had an incredibly large workload uh, and I did see some rumours that his ankle's not 100% right. So I didn't have the opportunity to draft in those first you know, three or four positions. If I did, as much as I love KDB, uh, I would have put him towards the back end of those four selections purely based on speculation around injury. Fair enough. And Mick? Um, I was just going to say, like, do you think with the uh, Harry Kane rumours, does that affect KDB's work? If Harry Kane does go to City, does KDB suddenly look like a smarter pick from uh, from Nathan's perspective? I mean, I've, I've had got a bit of history with KDB here. I picked him up a couple of years ago. Um, he immediately got injured. I hung on to him the entire year and he never came back. And I think he got a total of about 30 points and I got dead last. Um, so I still love him as a player. But like Dave said, he's, he's the type of guy who gets the second to last pass. So he doesn't actually get anything from a fantasy point of view, but is the heart and soul of that team. So does, does that affect him, do you guys think? Gilby? Uh, yeah, um, for me, what I looked into at um, as I was looking at it, I almost had KDB at the top of my list about a month ago because I thought that um, Tottenham may not sell Kane. And if they don't, I thought KDB may start as their striker and play a false nine role, which may mean he all of a sudden scores 25 goals. Now, as we've also heard before, like I know Isaac loves an out-of-position player, um, but goal-scoring midfielders, if you can pick the right one that scores 20-plus goals, that's going to basically guarantee you a top-three spot at the end of the season. Um, so, I mean, like, you're going back, like, Cristiano Ronaldo, like, if you'd had him and his peak at Manchester United, then that would have gone close to winning the league by itself. So, if he does play false nine, um, does that help his point-scoring value? It probably does. But signing Grealish, does that then mean that Instead of playing, like as Dave has said, last few seasons he's played 34, 35 games. Does he now go down to playing 28, 29 games? And if he does, you can't really afford to have a first-round pick do that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And look, 
it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens with that particular pick and you know Nathan might be onto something but um we'll just have to wait and see on that one and you know at some point it'll be interesting to ask him to see where he was going with it but uh we might run through the next few quickly and get to sixth pick which is the the next one of us so third pick so first Bruno second De Bruyne third Salah with Jeff Jeff took Salah um and uh, look, Jeff is a Liverpool fanatic, so that made sense, that pick. And Salah third pick is probably a pretty good pickup, very handy pickup. Uh, fourth was Ben drafting, and he picked up Kane. Now, that rounds out Gilby's top four quite comfortably, so I don't think there was any surprises there. Kane, look, he he might be out for a couple of weeks, but he will play and he will most likely score 20-plus goals. So, you know, he's going to be up there again with regard to fantasy points. Um, after Kane, fifth, we had Dan, who picked up Lukaku, who at the point in time wasn't even in the league, but he's picked up Lukaku. Um, Mick, what do you think about that? I think the big thing for me is, I mean, I had uh, the f- fifth choice of where to draft from, and the top four went in order, and I was basically tossing up between fifth and eighth, and... I say exactly the same as Gilby, top four for me, nailed on. And I basically looked at it and said, well, I don't have a clear fifth person. So I think I'm better off getting the ninth pick than the 12th pick um, to get that turnaround pick. Um, and by the sounds of a few of the reactions after I took eighth, that a few other people had that same thought. <laughs> um, but then now that I see Lukaku's on the board and seeing the, uh, the, the way it drafted, I'm thinking maybe uh, I might have uh, made the wrong call there. I think having Lukaku might might have been the play. Um, just like I think, unfortunately, at the time when it was made up, uh, he wasn't as strongly rumoured to come back. Um, but yeah, just just interesting to see that way that fell down. And I think the top four, there was not much doubt. I think the order is different to what I would have picked. But I think fifth pick could have been the way to go instead of eighth. But yeah, we'll get to that soon, I guess. And look, there was little doubt that Dan was going to pick up Lukaku. It was it was on the cards um, as soon as it was ru- strongly rumored that he was coming back. Um, you know, he's a big Chelsea fan for uh, for those listeners out there. Absolutely, and you know, uh, it's it's a solid pickup, definitely. Um, obviously, depending on how else he drafted, but solid pickup at five. Um, at six, that was my pick, um, and I've gone with Mane now. When it came around to my pick, I was pretty much set. I was confident with the top five. I was pretty certain that they would be the top five that were going to go. And from that point, in my mind, I had a choice of two. I had a choice of Mane and Son. I was pretty confident that those two are the next best two. I Obviously, Son with Kane leaving, you could argue that maybe um, not having Kane there, he may not score as well. But, you know, I love it out of position. He would probably play up forward. Uh, for the majority of those games while they find someone to replace Kane, if they find someone to replace Kane. So that was in my head. So Mane and and um, and Son. Yeah, Mick? I'd almost argue the opposite. I reckon Son's almost more valuable if Kane's not there. Um, again, yep. we'll get to that. But I was my hope was that Son would fall to eight and nine when I had it, with, for that <laughs> exact reason, that almost that if Kane's there, sweet, those two as a duo are great. But... Son will almost plays the outright striker because I don't see Vinicius being a starting striker every game this season. So I was kind of thinking, well, if Kane does go, Son might even be a better pickup still. Yeah, absolutely. Gilby. 
Um, to me, I mean, I mean, you'd be able to speak what you were thinking better than I would, but being a fellow um, analysis person, my guess is that you went with Son being potentially higher points, as Mick has said, but being higher risk as well. Uh, to me, Mane is a more reliable point source uh, going on past few seasons. So with all the transfer speculation, to me, I think you probably have gone with a less risky proposition. Yeah, absolutely. For me, Liverpool are a top three team. And so with that comes more opportunities to score a lot more goals. And Mane, um, obviously, he didn't have a great season last season, but I'm I'm expecting that, you know, he, he can turn that around quite quickly. And, you know, I, I have never actually had Mane before, I don't think. So it, I've had Son before, but I've never had Mane before. So I was thinking, well, let's do something a little bit different. I'm confident that Liverpool will be up there at the end of the season. I'm confident that they're, they're, at least their two wide players will be the same two wide players for the majority of the season. So I thought that's probably a safe bet. Um, but it was a close toss-up between Son and Mane, probably of the draft I spent. Of the first round picks, I probably spent a little bit of time more so than other people because I figured, well, that's an important pick. I need to make sure I get it right. And... Um, I also wanted to make sure that Dave had the opportunity of picking up Sterling uh, with his seventh pick. So, you know, I just I just needed to make sure that I, I, I gave Dave that opportunity, which brings us beautifully into Dave's seventh pick, which, of course, was Sterling. No, I'm just kidding. It was Son. Uh, Dave, why did you go for Son? Would your pick have been different if Mane was on the table, for example, or were you pretty happy with that choice? Uh much like yourself, my first four um, would have been Fernandez, De Bruyne, Salah, Kane, uh, but I was also fairly sure that they would not be available come pick seven. Uh, I would have picked up Lukaku as well, but it was, yeah, a 50-50 call for me, much like yourself, Isaac, between Mane and Son. Uh, I... I wouldn't have been disappointed with either, to be fair. You know, same. So, I would not be yeah. would not have been disappointed if you'd have taken Son and I'd have got Mane. Um, in saying that, if I was in your position and I had to make the choice, I probably would have gone Son. Uh, if I had to make that choice, um, I think I'm in agreement with Mick that if Kane goes, and I believe he will, it almost makes Son more valuable. If you have a look back at any time that uh, Kane's been out, Son's stepped up. He hasn't gone missing. Um, Also, Mane, we'll talk about this in future episodes, but we're likely to do uh, a mini mid-season draft. Um, But Mane does have the African Cup of Nations on the horizon in January. Uh, You know, we've also got this thing called COVID-19 running rampant across the globe. So anything can happen between now and then. Um, But yeah, just there's a few things there that would have just tipped the scales uh, for me towards Son um, if I needed to make that choice. But in saying that, would have been equally happy if it landed and I took Mane. Yeah. Mick, what do you think? Um, I was just having a quick look here. And like I was just saying a second ago, you've got, Human Son averages 0.34 goals every game with Harry Kane in the team, so one every three. Without Kane, he's 0.57, so better than one in two. 
Um, so, I mean, those stats show you that. But when Tottenham made the Champions League final in 2019, Kane wasn't in the team at the time because of injury. So it was Lucas Moura, Deli Ali, and he got there with that team. So I really don't think you lose too much without Harry Kane in that team. Son's still an option. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it was, it was a tight call. I was hoping that I wouldn't have to have necessarily a tight call for sixth pick. But um, I think at the end of the day, um, I guess I still struggle to see Son as that um, premium choice because for so many years he sort of wasn't, if you get what I mean. So I still have to rationalize that. But he had a cracker season last season, no doubt. Um, I'm sure he'll score, score a ton of points. It'd be interesting to see if Kane goes, how much time it will take for Tottenham to buy in another forward, whether they go with a centre forward or a, a wide player, just how much time they'll spend and how long it'll take for them to integrate somebody else into the team and what that does to Son. But we're not there yet, so I guess it will just really depend on on these next few weeks before transfer window closes. Um, all right, so let's just do a quick recap before we get to the final pick. And with the final pick, we might do pick eight and nine because I think that's an interesting conversation. So Gilby went with Fernandez one, then was De Bruyne, then Salah, then Kane, then Lukaku, then Mane, then Son. And with eighth pick, Mick, we get to... Well, I had eight and nine together. So I went with uh, Sterling and Havertz. Not necessarily that order. Havertz, Sterling doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, like I said, the way it broke down, I probably wish I wasn't in eight anymore. I think... The top five were pretty set. Almost top four were set. Fifth to me was pretty straightforward. Now looking at it, six and seven was pretty good. And there's almost a bit of a quality drop come eight. Um, in terms of the picks, like you've said, you wanted to leave Sterling. And you know, having chatted to you guys before the draft, Sterling was never going to be taken by you two. So <laughs> if, I, if I'd known that information first, maybe I would have made myself jump higher. Um, but my thinking was, if I don't take Sterling in one of these two, he's going to pass up from Dave and Isaac and... Dan sitting at number 12 is going to pick up a easy two first rounders when, and then I won't have any really. So kind of felt like, well, I've kind of been forced into this one. It's the type of guy that I just guess I have to play him and hope that Pep Roulette doesn't affect him too hard. Um, what have we got, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know if Isaac's mentioned it yet, but he did win last year. Um, oh, oh, did, oh, okay. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. Cheers for a he did pip me. I was in second and pushing him all the way right until the second last round. Uh, he mentions that he thinks Bruno, you know, won him uh, the comp last year. Equally, Sterling lost me the comp last year. He was one of my very early picks. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was my first round pick last year and yeah, he was just one of those players that's so high variance and last year there weren't very many of those 10 point plus games um, Pep Roulette killed it for me uh, and we were having a bit of a chat amongst ourselves before the draft a um, bit of banter back and forth and the guys were basically you know stabbing me over the fact that I was going to end up getting to draft Sterling and I was playing along. Yeah, it hurt last year when he didn't do that well. But the reality is if there are points there to be picked up and if uh, he was still putting in good performances, even though he wasn't picking up the points. So, yeah, I, I don't think Sterling 
getting picked up at eight slash nine is something that Mick could really go past. No, I can understand that. I, I was just really happy to keep telling me, uh, reminding Dave that Sterling would still be available, pick seven, and then pick 10, Mares would be there too. So, you know, I was really just keen to remind him of that fact. Gibby, what do you reckon about the Sterling, the Sterling pick? Uh, for me, I'm I would have been happy to take Sterling there, as David said. His upside is still massive. I still get that. There is a solid chance he could end up being City striker. The only thing I was going to ask Mick is if you've taken Sterling, we've all agreed as a fairly high risk player. Why did you then pair him with Habits? And just before you answer that, Mick, just to give you a, an idea of what uh, the reaction was from the drafting room, maybe everyone except Nathan, because uh, you know Nathan probably didn't care too much. Um, when you made those two picks, Gilby and I definitely looked at each other and we're like, what is he doing? Why is he picking two guys that could be heavily rotated? One of them being somebody who had a really bad last season and the other one had hardly any points last season. So we, we so were just a bit miffed around that. Just for the benefit of the pods, so um, there were five of us all together doing the draft live face-to-face in Brisbane and we did a video call to the other three guys, um, Mick included, who were up in Rockhampton. So... Yeah, amongst us five down in Brisbane, we couldn't understand the Havertz pick. But yeah, over to you, Mick. Enlighten us, Mick. Come on. Obviously, there's a lot of risk there. Um, and I realise that. But I figure by the time it gets to pick eight, I kind of have to do that. If I want some upside, it has to be like that. Um, we look at I look at the next few picks after that, which I look at. And none of those guys really fill me with anything different to the two guys I have. Um, until you get to, like I said, the the top guys, like the Grealish from last year, the guaranteed starters that are really attacking from a lower team, there's no real attacking threats from a high-level team that are guaranteed minutes. Um, Forwards, obviously, I considered it, but obviously now that we've transitioned from a spreadsheet into the official version, you only have three forwards, I figured, well, I'd gone through and ranked our top 24, and I said, well, at the end of the day, I'm pretty confident I'll have at least two starting forwards. They may not be the best, but I play one, one on the bench. It is what it is. I think I might stack my forwards. So that's where I went with that. Now, in terms of habits, yeah, I think it's going to be massively risky, especially with Lukaku coming in. Who knows? Um, What I'm, I guess, really hoping for is Havers kind of plays that secondary striker off Lukaku's shoulder. So, End of last season, uh, when Tuchel take, took over from Lampard, that's where Havertz was playing in behind Werner. And I think he had a really strong end of the season. So <clears throat> my kind of hope is he keeps doing that again, um, keeps playing in that role. I'm kind of hoping Werner goes out to the left or on the bench with Pulisic out there. Um, and then Werner, uh, sorry, Havertz plays in behind. And I think he played well through what I saw of Euro. Obviously, time zone's not great. Didn't see a whole lot of it, but... From what I've heard, he had a pretty good tournament. He's ended last season well, I think. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of risk there. But and then this, the other way to look at it is there's 14 picks between pick eight and nine and then my next one. So if I wanted to crack at him, it was now or never. So, um, yeah, a lot of risk. But I still – it might have been reaching for him. But I don't think looking at the next – the rest of the second rounders that everyone else took, other than maybe a few of the forwards, I don't think there's many that I think would – I'd change it for too much. 
And I can understand that. I think we all have played this game long enough to know that midfielders boss the game in terms of points. So it's a risk taking a forward as your first pick, especially if you're at one end of the of the draft, um, because the availability of good midfielders just isn't there. And so in terms of then getting those high point returns, it's just not as likely. And so I would agree with you, Mick. Like when I look at the first nine picks after that, there was really no one that sort of uh, took my fancy, hence why I um, decided pretty early on that I would try and stack my forwards. And we'll get into that a little bit later. So that's sort of how I see it. I, I understand where you're coming from. Did not change our reaction on the, at the time when we just looked at each other going, what is he doing? Is he having another really horrible drafting um, drafting experience again but then you 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 um you picked up from there you picked up from there so that that's okay dave what do you think yeah i i mean that makes sense mick uh, <laughs> i'm I, glad i got you uh got your approval there dave i mean the logic's there I, you obviously wouldn't have heard it on the night but the logic's there i think yeah and on reflection and hearing what you've just said um if I was to, you know, rank the forwards that were available, um, there's probably only a small handful that I would have classed as being elite. And then it's very flat for that next tier. So, yeah, you know, if you're if you're resigning uh, yourself to the fact that you're not going to get the elites, then mm-hmm. you, you can afford to wait to pick up one of that next flat tier of available forwards so yeah, yeah that, that makes sense that's exactly what i did i mean my forward my first forward wasn't picked to the end of round seven so i just basically said exactly what you said i'm give up on that top echelon happy to take the end of it and yeah stack my mids from I, there. i yeah. did notice that you were leaving yourself with three forwards to be picked very late and later in the draft that affected who i was picking as well trying to screw you over slightly because as much as this is about drafting the best team possible for yourself, you've also got to have a look at what everyone else is doing and making sure that if you can build a tiny little edge by picking someone slightly earlier than you otherwise would have, you've got to take it. Now, speaking of tiers, Gilby, what tier was Habits on for you? You're, you're the tier man. Um, okay, so, um, <laughs> just give me a second here, I'll have to pull up my... Sorry, tier. I know I've just thrown you into it, but I just couldn't... No, it's okay, I was just going is... to go through the second round and then what I happened to get to, but... This is, this is our equivalent of uh, bold predictions that we'll revisit at the end of the year, and either <laughs> I look like a genius or Gilby looks like a genius, one of these two is going to happen, yeah. isn't it? When we're all crying because Mick's at the top of the ladder with Havertz in his starting 11, yeah. We'll... It's either that or he's going to get injured and we'll never know. We're, we're all talking about players in different tiers, but it'll be a different so... kind of tiers for some of us come the end of the season. Yeah, so... so... So everyone knows, um, I found, I've always looked around a few websites. The last few years, I've used Fantasy Football Scout and sign up to that and use some of their um, articles to do research, some of their tools. This year, I found one called Draft Society, um, which does a lot of draft-based information. And they had a tier sheet, um, but used the fan track position. So I just edited it myself and then changed it to myself. So according to my tiers... I had Habits on tier three with the midfielders, evened with 
Yeah, so the other midfielders in tier three, Harrison, Jota, Zaha, Suchek, Rashford, Barnes, Tielmans, and Gundogan. So that was the tier I had him with. Um, mainly, like as we've said, to me, um, I hate the risk of the rotation there. Because to me, I saw Mason Mount and maybe Pulisic also playing his position, um, depending on what formation that um, Tuchel goes with. Because at the moment, he was kind of kind of playing like a modified 3-4-2-1 uh, with like two number 10s coming off. And I thought with Lukaku coming in, that probably still lends it to that formation, playing a sole striker. And so Habits may well be one of those number 10s, potentially with Mount. But if Pulisic is going to play or some of those others are going to play, then to me, there was too many other alternatives to have him rank that highly. But with the second round, like we briefly talked about it, but with the second round, um, I wasn't planning on taking strikers with my first. But as Dave said, I changed my plan immediately. As soon as Calvert-Lewin and Aubameyang were available, I was taking them immediately. Um, I was projecting, um, when I projected the draft, I projected the first seven picks exactly as it was. And then for Mick, I had actually projected that you were going to take Aubameyang and Sancho as your picks. Um, What what I don't get is what makes, how does Sancho not come with risk as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm not saying, I I ranked him a similar sort of risk to habits. Um, so what I thought you may go is one risky player and one solid player. Um, now, whichever it was, whether or not you went risky mid, solid forward, or risky forward and solid mid, I didn't think you would go two risks. Um, so, I mean, obviously it's going to, it could well pay off for you. Um, but to me, that was the big shock. Like I, I can understand you taking one of habits of stealing, but to take both was the thing that shocked me. Risky business for Mick. Well, Dave, what do you got? Yeah, I'm I'm the same. Um, I can completely understand high variance pick for uh, one of those selections. You've got a visitor there, Mick, um, but yeah. not both of them. And yeah, I agree. Um, you know, Sancho would have been just as risky when it comes to Gilby's picks. Um, I there's huge upside potential for Aubameyang and a lot of people in the drafts I've seen have him going in the first first round. Personally, I also think he's risky. He didn't have a great season uh, last year. But the difference being, Gilby already had Bruno and there is virtually no risk whatsoever when you've already got Bruno in the bag. So you can afford to take a gamble. Which is why I'll paired him with DCL. Um, I was prepared to tolerate the risk there because I had two really solid, like one really solid striker to base my forward around and I already had Bruno, who's going to be in my team every single week. So I'm prepared to go that higher risk striker. Um, but yeah, that was just for the balance of my team there. But as soon as I had two uh, who I thought would be potentially round one and two strikers, as soon as they're available round two and three, I had to take them there, even though I also would have been happy to take TAA which I think is probably one of the steals of the draft that he dropped to Dave in round three. Absolutely. I think TA is a good, solid pickup there. I think last year he went round two, um, and that was me. So, yeah, he's he's definitely got the quality and the points in him. Um, I suppose if we keep going, Gil, would you want to quickly run us through your team, the team you've picked up? You just want to run us through the list, 
Um, we might run through each of our own lists and then we might just uh, open the discussion up if there's any other things that sort of stand out to us around that. And we'll obviously talk about the other um, managers and their picks at some other point in time as well. But, you know, for the sake of our first podcast, let's go through our own team. So, Gilby, kick us off with your full 15. Okay, so um, as we've mentioned, um, starting at the front, um, I hadn't planned to take strikers this early because mainly because I didn't think the strikers would be available at the tiers I had them, but I just had to take them for the positions they were available at. Maybe just run through your team in the order that you drafted them, Gilby, because... The order I drafted? Yeah, I mean, we can anal- analyse um, the, the formations another time. Yeah. Just seeing we're talking about the draft... Um, now, sure. yeah. Okay, all right. Well, my first pick, as we've said, was Fernandez. And then with my double pick, I went DCL and Aubameyang. Um, and then with my next two picks, um, I finished off my forwards with Antonio. Um, I was shocked he was available there, um, given that he had a great season there. Again, a little bit higher risk with the injury history, but um, given the goals he scored the last couple of seasons, I thought he was a great pick there. Um, paired him with Rashford, who I admittedly reached a bit for. But when he does come back in October, I've pretty much um, picked up the main point scoring sources from Manchester United team, I think is definitely going to be top three. So I was happy to reach a bit for him there. In my next pair of picks, I took Tielmans and Jota. And I know Isaac was pretty shocked that I had Tielmans that high. Um, to me, I had to take a really solid mid. Um, because I had taken a bit more high risk with Aubameyang and, or, and Antonio. And I was also going to pair him with my next pick, which was Jota. Now, I hate rotation risks, and Jota is a rotation risk. So I really wanted to have a solid mid there, which is why I ranked Thielman's probably a bit higher than Isaac did. Um, my next pick, one of Dave's boys, um, was Saar. Um, I do very much like having the main point scoring sources from some of the lower ranked teams. Um, I did pick one of um, Nick's boys back in the day. I picked Phillips from West Brom and I had Zaha from Isaac's boys last season. Um, So I do very much like having the main point scoring sources from some of the lower teams. Um, And I like uh, playing the fixtures a bit, which is one of my uh, favorite things to do um, when I do that. Um, Then I went with um, Kufal. Um, the West Ham right back and as Piliqueta, the Chelsea left back or left or right back, really, he plays that. Um, again, looking at some um, defenders who I had ranked a fair bit higher than defenders that had already gone off the board. So I was really happy with those pickups. Tarkowski can't go past taking Burnley defender. Um, I thought that was really good. Then with my next picks, um, I paired up um, Melier, the Leeds keeper, and Roberto Sanchez, the Brighton keeper who rotate perfectly in the fixture, fixture difficulty index. Love doing my research. That's my style. Um, they play easy fixtures and rotate perfectly together till week 19 when we do our redraft. And then with my last two picks, I had uh, Leeds defender Cooper and a Leicester defender Suyuntsu. Um, but what I did then did straight after the draft, I realized I'd made a mistake because I had written a note to myself to take uh, Samikis, the uh, Liverpool left back with my last pick. Um, and I realized I'd forgotten to do it. So immediately before I submitted my team, I immediately dropped Cooper and picked Samikas. So he ended up being my last defender because um, as most people would have realized, Robertson's out for about four weeks. So you can't pass up a chance to get a starting Liverpool defender for a month. 
uh, with that last pick. So I would have taken Samikas, but yeah, I just, uh, just forgotten the last pick there. We were all a bit tired by the time we got to that. Um, so that was my team there. Mick, Mick, what do you think? Well, I was just looking at it the way you went through it. I noticed this on the night. Obviously, you got Fernandez. Then you literally took three strikers, five mids, three defenders until you made sure you got your double goalkeeper and two more defenders after that. But the way you basically, it's impossible for you to play your first eight picks together. You cannot play three forwards with five mids the way the game works. So I found that interesting that you've, I guess, let your backs go down. I mean, based on what you said, you knew you were going to get it. And that and Saar and Kufal, you did pick together. But yeah, it's just one thing I find it interesting that you can't play all three forwards and five mids without having at least, I mean, you've got to have a three, four, three at most. So just found that interesting. That's all. Yeah, no, um, that was why um, when it panned out the way it did, um, I had to take those forwards where it was. And because I had reached for Rashford, I knew I needed to take an extra midfielder a bit earlier than I would have otherwise. Otherwise I may have gone for one of those premium defenders but once I saw people taking premium defenders a bit earlier than I would have, so like Ruben Diaz and um, I don't know why, but Laporte went really early. I can't remember who took him, but I was shocked he went that early. Um, so, yeah, I mean, once those premium defenders started going, I was like, right, well, I'll change my strategy again a bit. And I went back to midfielders, as Mick said, and uh, in the knowledge that I would have to carry Rashford for a month, um, which is why I went with what I did. Yeah, fair enough. Very good. Well, we'll jump over to my team. Um, so I had sixth pick. Um, so I, as we discussed, picked Mane first, then moved to Bamford because I changed, changed my strategy fairly early on to go for um, some forwards where I thought there could be good value. Bamford did really good for me last year. So we'll see if that continues. I then went for Ings. I was tossing up between Ings and Antonio. Um, I had Antonio last year. He did really, really well, but he was also out for quite some time. So um, I decided to go for Ings. Not that Ings uh, necessarily has a better track record with injury, but he, I, I see him, I guess, as the main man at, at Aston Villa now. So we'll just wait and see how that pans out. Could be a bit of risk there, but I was happy enough with that pick. Harvey Barnes after that from Leicester. Um, I think he'll have a really good season if he can stay fit. Uh, Diaz and Digne for my first two defenders. I was pretty happy with those two defenders starting off. Um, I think Diaz is sort of nailed on, and, and I think both are nailed on to their position. So that's hopefully going to get me some points. I then went for Ben Rama. Um, had a really good preseason. I really do rate him. I think he, with Lingard gone and not looking like he's going to be moving to West Ham. I think he's going to be that main sort of um, creative and attacking threat. Um, Inacho after that, again, I picked him. He's another one that sort of won me the league last year. Um, I picked him up as a free agent and he just tore the house down. So there will be some rotation, I think, early on, at least with Vardy. But I'm confident that if, if Inacho starts scoring goals, that he'll be nailed on a little bit more. Um, so that sort of took care of all three of my forwards at that point, so I could concentrate on other areas. After that, I went with Mendy, um, the Chelsea keeper. I wanted to go for who I thought would score the most points after that, and the keeper was the logical choice for me. Had a cracker back half of the season last year, and I project that he will be one of the elite keepers. Um, I went with Greenwood after that, just because out of position, he's definitely... I felt like he was going to start first week, so I was pretty happy that you know he would get me points in the, at least the first week, and then moving on, he might be rotated a little bit. 
Um, I went with Dunk and Target after that. Um, so Dunk's always solid for Brighton. Target had a really good season last season. Um, obviously, with um, Grealish leaving, there may not be as much attacking threat, but they will look solid at the back. Um, Schmeichel after that, um, because um, Gilby helped me out and, and, and let me know who rotated well with Mendy, and Schmeichel actually outperformed Mendy in the first week. Um, so he was a solid pickup. And then my last oh, last two signings were Rudiger, who I was really happy with getting um, in round 14. And then last was Torres, who has a lot of upside if he can stay in the Man City team, but it will just depend there on rotation. I was happy to take him um, for 15th round. Now, um, Dave, I know you had a couple of questions around my team, so uh, have at it. Let's go. Yeah, so the main one, and we'll talk about this a little bit when I get onto my team next, uh, but my main question is around Mendy. Obviously, Chelsea are a great team and, you know, anyone would be shocked if they're not inside that top four um, at the end of the season, if not higher, and they're always very solid defensively. Uh, but Allison from Liverpool was still on the table at that stage, uh, and you don't have any Liverpool players. Um, what yeah, what tipped you towards Mendy as opposed to Allison? So I, I suppose... The reason I went with Mendy, I just know that Chelsea have been defensively outstanding since Tuchel took over and since Mendy got to the club. Um, So I was pretty confident that he was going to have a good season. When I put my stats together, um, when I put my stats together, I, I noticed that he had a really good bonus point potential. Um, and that, you know, he he scored 140 points last year and he wasn't, at the beginning of the year, the nailed-on starting keeper. So I'm just confident that he's going to continue performing and I'm really confident that Chelsea, because of their defence and how they're looking, will have a lot of clean sheets and he'll be, you know, a big part of that. So I wasn't too concerned with not having defence of Liverpool. Um, and maybe that's that's sort of a bit of a remnant of last year, and I know that this year they're getting players back, but um, I suppose that's what led to my decision around that. Um, just the confidence that I think Chelsea will have a cracker year and, and Mendy will, will be a, a solid signing. I think before him, the only other keeper that had gone was Emerson, who I had last year and who is a really good shout, and I probably would have gone for if I had the opportunity. Um but yeah, pretty happy with my my selection, um, and I know that we'll talk about your keeper selection once we once we hit your team. Yeah, I I definitely can't fault the choice of Mendy. Um, I guess yeah, just if I was mm. in your position personally, probably would have gone with Allison. But yeah, just wanted to get your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Righto, Gilby, strip me to shreds here. What do we got? Um, no, I, I, the main question I was going to ask is I. Being a fellow analysis brother, um, I had my analysis and I I stuck pretty closely to it this year. Mm. Um, the only change being t- uh, changing to forwards a bit earlier than I thought. Yep. Now, you said you changed yours a little bit. Mm. How closely did you stick to your research? And like in, you know, you said you already said you 
made a change to what you were planning. Yeah. Um, when was that point? What made the change for you? That point was when I had my round two pick is <laughs> when I decided to change my strategy because like what, what Mick said before, when I had a look at who had gone and knowing that, you know, ideally midfielders are king, I just, when I was looking at the list of midfielders that were left and available, all the premium ones for me were gone. All my top tier ones were gone. And the way I do my spreadsheet up, it's not as structured as yours. So I don't have that many tiers. I look at it of, I look at it, at who I think can score 200 plus points. And I put all those players in that pool. And then I say, okay, who do I think then can score between 150 to 200? So I sort of stack mine like that and and then look for what I think is going to be the best selection once I get to my pick. In the past, I've basically said, no, I'm going to make sure that all of my plus 200 point players are gone before I go on to my next one. That's what's led me over the last couple of years to pick TAA because I think he has that potential. Now, it didn't work out last year, but luckily he had a good back end of the season, so that helped me. Um, I didn't do that this time. I wasn't as rigid with that. I wanted to be a little bit more flexible. And when I saw that my midfielder selection that I had was Sancho, Mares, Pogba, Foden, Madison, um, even going down to like Rafina, Pepe, I just wasn't convinced that I would get the return for those players that I could if I started picking some of what I think are the high-quality forwards. So at that point, it was still points-based. I think that, and you could say that maybe he overperformed last year, but I think that Bamford will have another good season. And so that's why I went with him second, which might seem a bit of a reach, but I was happy to take that gamble if I felt like there was still quality in the 150 to 200 points per season section, which I thought, I could still pick up some some good signings there. Um, but we'll see how it plays out. <laughs> we'll see how it plays out over the season. So that was sort of my thoughts behind that change. Other than that, I was still sort of still pretty fluid. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't... I was picking up some good defenders because defenders can yield you pretty good points, especially when those, those sort of next-tier midfielders are starting to dwindle. I feel like your defenders are a good shout then. Um, but I wanted to make sure I had some good good forwards available definitely because that was then the strategy but I wanted to get some good quality defenders that were nailed on every week that I didn't have to worry about so yeah that's that's how I sort of came up with that change and wasn't as rigid but I think I still was pretty happy with where I went yeah um so Dave obviously you didn't go for Sterling or Mares, which I was very very disappointed at so who did you pick up in your draft yeah, so for my first round pick, pick seven, I went for Son, as we've discussed earlier. I don't think we need to go into that anymore. Uh, second pick was Grealish. Now, I am wary of pep rotation, uh, but I think you need to have a Man City player in your team somewhere. Uh, and yeah, I think he's still young enough that he's going to have uh, quite a fair bit of influence on that team and I can afford to ride those occasions when he is sat out uh, I had for my third round pick uh, almost at the very end of round three uh, Isaac just touched on this slightly I've gone for uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold in the past I've been 
too rigid with how I draft. I'm a big fan of having your talisman midfielders and getting as many of them and having a hard-hitting midfield as early as possible uh, with a sprinkling of forwards who have, you know, traditionally in short supply. Um, but I was having a chat with Isaac before the draft started and he made a really good point. If a player is going to score more points than the rest who are available, you need to take them. And I just think you can't look past Trent when it comes to defenders. Uh, It's traditionally a lot earlier than I'd take one, um, but I couldn't afford to pass and then miss out on him later on. Uh, Also, it's typically the case where once a defender or a goalkeeper is picked, it triggers off a chain reaction. So if I didn't pick him, Isaac picked him with his round three pick. Um, uh, sorry, Mick would have been after me. Then, yeah, it, it would have been tricky. I mean, Mick probably, you know, would have picked TAA. I could have gone somewhere else, but... Yeah, that was my thinking as to why I went so early with um, a defender. Uh, The way the draft was playing out, um, we were already starting to get short into that second tier of strikers that I'd mentioned. Um, So my fourth round pick was Werner. Uh, Not entirely stoked with that, with the Lukaku situation, Um, but I still think he'll get minutes and I think he's... I mean, there's there's a good chance that Lukaku coming in helps Werner rather than hinder. That's my hope anyway. Round five, I went for uh, Tony. So there's been a lot of talk around him having such a great season in the championship. Um, I think he scored in the order of upwards of 20 goals. 30 goals. More than 30. 30 goals, yes. And quite a few assists as well. And the general rule is, you know, if you halve that, that's what you can safely expect in the Premier League. And if I'm taking a 15-goal striker in round five as my second striker, I'm pretty happy there. For round six, again, another defender and earlier than I would have liked, but I couldn't look past uh, Robertson. Obviously, he's out injured for the first four weeks or so but he's going to score points when he comes back in. And if I don't snap him up, someone else will. Uh, Round seven, I went for Sushek from West Ham. Round eight was a bit of a gamble, and I'm still not sure if I've made the right move or not. I went with Deli Alley. Obviously, um, Nuno's the new manager at Spurs, Delhi played a lot of preseason minutes and was doing quite well. Um, so that's why I've thrown him in there. I like uh, the gamble, solid gamble. He's one of those picks where there's a lot of potential upside. And if it doesn't go to plan, I've got no problem swapping him out for someone else. Uh, my round nine pick was Varane for Manu, who at the stage hadn't officially signed on. Um, okay, he's going to be a centre-back and he's not a goal-scoring centre-back. 
but much like Man U, you've got to have, uh, sorry, much like Grealish with Man City, I think you've got to have Man United coverage somewhere in your team. Um, the likes of Shaw and Juan Bissaka were already uh, gone. So, yeah, I went with Verane. Uh, my round 10 pick. Now, this is where I got my first goalkeeper. And I tried to actually make a trade before I made my selection. So Mick may not be aware of this because he was uh, not in the same room. I knew I wanted a goalkeeper for my 10th pick. And Allison was still available. But I already had TAA and I already had Robbo. And I did not want three Liverpool defensive players. <laughs> so I spoke to Nathan, who had picked up Edison. And I offered him Allison in exchange for Edison. Uh, and I put it to him that he already had Cancelo. So, uh, and no Liverpool defensive players. So it would be good for him to, I guess, spread the risk. And it would obviously help me spread my risk as well. Uh, Nathan wasn't drunk enough to accept that. <laughs> so I went with who I thought was the next best uh, available keeper, which was Martinez, who obviously had a brilliant year last year. Um, moving from Arsenal's the best thing he could have done. Uh, had a great um, Copa with Argentina as well. So, yeah, I could, couldn't go past him. But he was drunk enough to try and get TAA from you as well. Yeah, so when I did suggest <laughs> that he could have Allison for Edison, yeah, he did say that he'd take TAA for Edison. And I must admit, I did think about it for about <laughs> 0.8 of a second. But, yeah, I wasn't going to trade and as, the best. And as, as Mick would know... Um... Making trades with Nathan can be difficult. Uh, you just have to play Monopoly with him to to understand that, yeah, he, he drives a very hard bargain. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, rightfully so. He had Edison and I wanted Edison and he still has Edison. <laughs> um, <laughs> round 11, I went for White, obviously, uh, record signing at Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal. Good after the Arsenal, first week, Arsenal, Arsenal, Arsenal. <laughs> Good old Arsenal. So Ben White uh, might be my first player. Drafted out. Switched out. Ooh, bold. Um, we'll wait and see. I'll give him <laughs> another week. I don't have huge faith in Arteta's ability to do anything super special uh, at Arsenal. Round 12, I went for Firpo, the uh, new Leeds defender from Barcelona. Um, obviously part of their shipping out of players, but he did get quite a few minutes at Barca and any Leeds defender under Bielsa is going to have some attacking returns at some point in the season. Round 13, uh, everyone's favourite sad story, uh, Saka. Um, yeah, I had him last year. He was brilliant. Obviously, a lot of that was the fact that Aubameyang and Lacazette didn't have the greatest year. Um, but yeah, 
had Saka, it was good for me. And to pick him up in round 13, I think, was a bit of a steal. Uh, my second last pick, I finished out my strikers with Callum Wilson. And to have uh, a starting striker that play huge minutes with my second last pick, uh, couldn't have asked for anything else. And my final pick, um, De Gea had already been taken. I knew that De Gea was the most likely Man U goalkeeper for the season, but I did take Henderson uh, as a hugely speculative pick, knowing that I can happily sit Martinez in goals for the whole season and lose nothing. But if Henderson starts playing at Man U and I've got him, huge potential upside. Absolutely. So I guess, uh, yeah, I'll... I'm incredibly happy with my team. Um, the only thing I'd yeah probably put to you guys is what are your thoughts on taking Delhi Alley in round eight? Well, I've if it's okay, Dave, I've got another question. No, first. just answer the one I asked you. No, no, no. no because, yeah, go ahead. Because you because you've already um, basically admitted that my advice is going to help you win the league this year with yep. picking up TAA. Because you've took taken Robertson as well, obviously he's injured. We know he's injured for a little bit. He'll come back. Is that potential for you to maybe have some trade bait for like a double trade to try and get yeah. maybe a better midfielder, a better, better forward? Is that maybe something you're looking at? Yeah, so it's not something that I'm probably going to consider in the first... I don't know, eight or 10 game weeks. I want to see Robertson come back in. I want to see him playing regularly, uh, recovered from his injury and playing well. But there's obviously, um, yeah, trade collateral there. And I've already used it to some degree with my proposed trade for Edison. Um, Obviously that didn't work out the way I'd hoped. Um, But yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, splitting your risk and ensuring that you've got coverage across those top teams. Um, you know, it's it's fine to have TAA and Robbo and say you'll have them in your team every single game week. Um, but then, you know, you come up against a Man U or a, a Man City or, you know, Lukaku could fire three past them and that blows your whole week out of the water to some degree. So yeah, there's definitely potential there to use them as collateral. If I'm deficient in my mids or my forwards after a few weeks, once we've seen how things are starting to play out. Gilby, what do you think? Um, taking Deli Alley where you did, I think is fine. Um, I had him ranked on a tier with a heap of other players, but as you've said, like he did have minutes with Kane, maybe, maybe not. With Son, maybe going to striker. Maybe Deli Ali does take over the starting 10 position, depending on what happens with Kane who up in the air. So I think he does present a lot of upside compared to who else I had in that tier. So just for the sake of the argument, like in that tier, I had people like Majin, uh, Ziyech, Rashika, Gross, uh, Tiago Alcantara, Leon Bailey, Bertram Traore, that sort of ilk of player. So like you've said, like you'd be happy to drop him and pick up any of those guys. The only players I had available at that point who I ranked ahead of him in that tier 
were probably Adama Traore and McNeil. Um, again, like Adama Traore, when he plays, will be probably big points, um, like as like Dele Alli potentially will be as well. So he's an easy one to drop at that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is definitely worth a punt we had. The main question mark for me when I look back at your draft uh, was taking Werner where you did. Uh, that would be yeah. only that. That would be my only question mark there. If if it pays off, it's going to pay off big. Um, if it goes the way I think it might, it's probably going to be one you might regret. Yeah, and much like you know taking TAA earlier than I had hoped, I would have loved to have been able to overlook Werner. Um, especially, you know, with the Lukaku situation and Werner didn't have a great season last year. But at the end of the day, he's still a great player. And, you know, a preseason under Tuchel, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a gamble. We'll see. <laughs> well, what made it, um, what makes it a lot less of a gamble is I think your very best picks were some of your last couple. Like picking up Wilson where you did is an absolute steal. Um, yep. because, like you compare Werner and Wilson and one of them will probably play and score uh, if they if they both play. So yep. that's the thing. Like I think like, if you hadn't picked up Wilson where you did, I would have been a lot more nervous about your season's prospects. But picking up Wilson where you did, you're a lot safer in the forward line. I think there's a crazy stat whereby Wilson in the last couple of years has scored in every all of his first four games of the season or all his first five games of the season or something ridiculous like that. Um, you know, he does terrible the rest of the time, but you know, for five weeks, Dave, you're looking, you're sitting pretty. I'll ship him out to Ben <laughs> or someone after five weeks then. <laughs> you beauty. Alrighty, Nick, let's round off with your squad. Um, obviously we've heard Havertz and Sterling as your first two round picks. Uh, let's see how it went after that. Yeah, so like you said, you've been through it. Um, one thing I wish we could do is change our team name because my team name would now be uh, left back in the shed because my entire back line are left backs. Um, don't know <laughs> if anyone else has noticed that yet. Oh, look at that. Um, so, yeah, I got Rafinha and Buendia, second and third, or sorry, third and fourth round. Um, like I said, man attacking threats, lower level teams, um, wide players as well, attack minded, everything I said in my three words. Then I went uh, back straight to the left back. So I picked up four, four mids straight off the bat. Like we said before, wasn't super impressed with any of the forwards. So I went like and wait a bit more. So I took uh, Luke Shaw and Chilwell. I think Luke Shaw could have a brilliant season here coming up. Um, I reckon he could well push Alexander Arnold for point scoring, um, level of assists, potentially goals as well. And I think, man, you are maybe not quite at the same level as uh, Liverpool in terms of keeping clean sheets, but add Varane into that team and you've got as close to Van Dyke as anyone in the world. So you get it pretty close. Uh, yeah, you got something like that? Yeah. I just wanted to mention that at this point in the draft, so we got to the fourth round where you'd just picked up Buendia. Mm-hmm. That's the point that I remember looking at Gilby and thinking that being really worried for you, right? Because as we discussed, we're looking at Havertz and Sterling, high rotation risks. Um, and then, like you say, yeah, with Rafinha and Buendia, you're looking at the main attacking threat with both of those teams. But Buendia had a pretty rubbish first go in the EPL and 
they could both just have really terrible seasons. So at that point, I recall looking at Gilby and just being like, what is Mick doing? Is he okay? Is he is he like uh, sure he knows what he's doing here? Um, but then after that, I think it really went in your favor. You did made some really, really good picks up for that. But I just want, that's what happened in our end. I just remember looking at Gilby thinking, what is, what is he doing? It, it was reminiscent of, I think it was two years ago, where you just drafted so poorly that you put yourself out of it from the very beginning. <laughs> but you, you've got, you've, you'll go through the rest of your team and there was definitely yep. some upside after that. But I just wanted to let you know that's yep. where we were at. <laughs> Sweet. I assume Dave's got some comment like that too. <laughs> yeah, similar. So obviously I was in the room and yeah, we were all looking at ourselves thinking what's going on. Um, the only one that I was not uh, questioning was Rafinha. That kid is a gun and yeah, any Bielsa team is going to have players getting chances and opportunities and yeah, he, he looks like you know, after what he did last year, he t- he makes the most of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then I've got, yeah, Luke Shaw and Ben Chilwell. Luke Shaw, like I said, good season coming up. Um, Chilwell, a little bit of a risk, but I think um, defensive-minded team generally, Chelsea. Yeah. Um, and then Alonso they, comes out with how many points he came well, out with. So. Oh, that's it. So, unfortunately, I didn't think Alonso was going to be a massive threat, but maybe he will be. Um, I mean, if... Maybe that's you could almost say maybe that's a little bit of me uh, hedging my bets with Havertz there. If they stay in the three five two, I'm hoping that Chilwell comes in. Um, if they don't, Havertz is a chance. Currently, it looks like I'm going to miss on both of those, so it doesn't work well. Um, then I went into forwards. Went well. I think it's about time I take it. So I took Chris Wood from Burnley. Nothing exciting. You know what you're going to get. Ollie Watkins. <laughs> bit of a risk with Danny Ings coming in, but I'm hoping if they play two up top, Ings can facilitate Watkins as much as the other way around. Um, then I went back into the back line with Kieran Tierney. Um, again, nothing nothing defensive here, purely for his attacking threat. I think he took the majority of the corners for Arsenal, takes a lot of the set pieces. Um, seeing a average uh, field position chart for Arsenal, he was the second highest player on the field mm-hmm. behind their striker. So for an he average actually played, team, yeah, yeah he, he, he played higher. He played higher up than the left winger for Arsenal. So um, says probably more about their team than anything else, but a back that scores a goal, I mean, it's going to work well. So hopefully he gets in there for me. Um, then I rounded out my midfielders with Trossard. Again, probably the best that I had available there. Um, again, the number 10, hopefully probably more assists than goals, but Brighton probably performed better than the league table suggested last year. Um, so I guess I'm probably more leaning towards hoping that he's still the the, the key piece in that team. Um so then they actually get someone that can finish. That was their issue last year. They created all these chances, just couldn't put them away. So I'm hoping he can be a bit of a, a pretty good pick up there at uh, round number 10, I think it was. Um, then I went with Shea Adams to finish my forward line. Bit of a risk just because didn't really perform that well last year, but losing Ings, I'm hoping he's the only forward that's really been in that team for a while now. Um, Adam Armstrong's obviously just come in, but... I think Adams should still pair him up there for a while. Um, then picked up uh, Ryan Bertrand, probably a bit of a left field one. I probably could have waited another round, um, but I also knew I was just going to leave my goalkeepers to the end, so it was going to be in this pairing anyway. Um, so, yeah, Ryan Bertrand, left back. Arsenal have really, uh, sorry, Leicester have really struggled with left backs since Christian Fuchs, since that Premiership winning season. Um he hasn't really come on. Last year they had uh, just as a 
Justin, James Justin, James I think Justin. it was, yep. um, <clears throat> playing there. But I'm pretty sure he's a right back that they moved over to left back. They had um, Ricardo Pereira playing there a bit as well. Um, when they when I saw they got him on a free, I thought, well, yeah, he might be slightly getting on a bit now. But if he starts, as he does play well, he's a chance to go um, and actually get some decent points for them. If if Ricardo Pereira is any, and Castaño is any um, idea from the other side, then they're a chance to really get some points for me. Uh, then I got, like I said, another left back, so Southampton's Perot, or Perraud, however you want to say it. Um, just jumping in, sorry, Mick. Um, they've also just lost Fafana as well. So, yeah, that strengthens yeah. the Bertrand pick. Yeah, so unfortunately he didn't actually play round one. I found out in the pre-match conference that he has COVID, so he's uh, gone for a couple of weeks now. So lovely start to the season for that. Um, but then Perot, the new signing left back for Southampton, um, coming from the French League, always hard to know exactly how he's going to go, um, but was a pretty good attacking threat over there, hoping that transfers here. Bertrand just went the other way, so I figured there's not really any um, depth to Southampton and having a look at their teams, their left and right backs are pretty much, they've got three across those two positions. So they got Walker-Peters and then um, a young kid from Chelsea that they got to Liveramento or something like that. Um, last two picks, left my goalkeepers. I basically went into this going, if we all only have picked two goalkeepers, 16 to go on, there's, I get the choice of five with the last pick. So um, <clears throat> I went through and picked Saar first. So um, the new Wolverhampton keeper. Um, and then purely did that because I knew what goalkeepers were available. I worked out that, well, there's a couple of options that pair up well. I'll have at least someone that's decent. Um, finished with... Uh, uh, David Raya from Brentford. So Wolves in Brentford goalkeeper doubles. Um, played Raya in the first round. He's my top scorer, so I can't really complain too much. Um, so it worked out pretty well. Yeah, and I don't know if you guys have seen some of the highlights from that Brentford-Arsenal game yet, but he's quite possibly already pulled off the save of the season. Yeah, he played uh, pretty well. Low to his right, and yeah, a brilliant, brilliant way to enter the Premier League for that kid. Absolutely. It absolutely was. So, look, I guess we've, we've had a few comments around mixed team already. We we expressed our concern, but I think, Mick, you did a pretty good job at the back end of that draft. Um, again, we're saying when, when we first looked at it, we thought, oh, he's in trouble. But you don't really know until the season starts anyway how some of those players are going to go. So I think realistically, you've had a pretty good draft considering you're from eighth and you had to sort of change your strategy pretty pretty quickly. Um, one question I, I have. Oh yeah, the, go. Yeah, just quickly with that is draft from eighth. You kind of don't get a chance to change your strategy. You kind of get stuck in on one, and then by the time it comes in, fourteen other players have gone. And you're like, well, I've missed the boat already. So mm. you kind of have to make those calls whether you jump in, jump out, um, whether you get on a boat early or not. Um, you kind of go where it is. But like you said, you're not going to know how my team goes until the season starts. Well, the season started and uh, it's a pretty good hint. It's not going well. <laughs> and we will get to that uh, in another episode. But the question I had that I wanted to ask you as well, considering it seems as though Southampton are just selling off all of their best players for some unknown reason, are you worried that maybe if I look at the some of the other picks as well, for example that Wilson might have been a better third option striker for you as opposed to Adams, or are you still pretty uh, happy with that selection? Yeah, I mean, I did look at that. Um, St. Maximum was still on the board as well. Cavani, um, all three of those had injury clouds around them. Um, 
So St. Max and Wilson, I think, both have potential hamstring issues. Um, Cavani, I think, was on extended leave, um, has only just come back into the country. So don't know how long he's going to be in isolation for. I don't know what the English deals are. Um, So like I said, I think Adams was in Southampton's ranks, the only forward that's been in the team. He played big minutes last year. Um, Now I guess he's got a chance to be the main man. So yes, he may not do well, but I think, Probably not at the time, but now that I'm looking at it more is I think this game, the way we're doing it this year with smaller squad sizes, it's all going to be about how, who you pick up in the um, free agency each week and who you pick up on the waivers. And unfortunately, one person's got to go to for you to pick someone up. So really, it's a case of, well, he may not be there that long. Mm. Um, I think I'm probably lucky to give him another chance, though. Probably not react too quickly and say, well, one game's not everything. Um, yeah. But yeah, at the end of the day, I think one of my forwards is going to be the weak one and they're the one I'm going to be disposable and they're going to go. Yeah, fair enough. And like, you know, it's it's luck of the draw sometimes with these later draft picks. And we will talk a little bit later about how this year is different to some of our previous years because um, we have been on quite a bit of a journey with this. So, um, guys, are there any other questions for Mick before I ask each of you one last question to finish up? Are we pretty happy that we've, we've scolded him for his selections enough? Yeah, Dave, what do we got? Yeah, not, not so much a question, but just a comment that I think St. Maximin's hamstring's quite <laughs> fine, and I think Declan Rice is still spinning around in circles uh, after his little fancy footwork he put in uh, before laying it on a plate for my mate Callum Wilson. Yeah, who Mick could have had. He could have either of That's those right. players. Yeah, there you go. I hope that makes you feel somewhat better about your selection, Mick. Always take the chance to rub it in. <laughs> not at all. That's fine. <laughs> Righto, guys, the, to round out this podcast, because it has gone for some time, it's our first one, so, um, you know, I hope you can excuse us for that, but I just Production want quality you... is going to be schmicko. Oh, yeah, absolutely, because um, we definitely know what we're doing. Um, final question, just run your eye over that particular, um, that particular draft board that we have, and uh, we're going to get some social media access so we might put that up for some people as well i just want from each of you one pick that you think is just utterly disgraceful where they've that particular player has been picked or one pick where you think that is a fantastic pickup for that position in the draft it can be from your team but it might you might like to make it from one of the other managers that we haven't discussed tonight and their teams that could be a good um way to just round out this podcast so um is anyone ready to go i see i see gilby has a bit of a smirk what do you what do you think gilby where are you going to go with this i hope you don't take mine um hate to do it um but uh he's the complete opposite me with drafting style but i've got to throw my old buddy nate under the bus with his first um couple of picks he picked de bruyne um which he was off to a pretty decent start um, but then followed it up with Pepe and Firmino. Um, so that to me is way too questionable to take that early. Uh, Pepe probably would have been available a good three or four rounds later. Um, Firmino, I, I've had him before. I believe Dave had him last season. I can't remember who had him last season, but he's going to be a classic defensive forward um, to me. That was a massive reach, and to me, it was taking players that sounded good on paper. F- 
Fair enough. And and we will talk about Firmino next podcast. Um, there was a little bit of an interesting situation with uh, Firmino and Nathan and his team last um, just before the game week started. So that'll be interesting to talk about. Good pickup, Gilby. You did take mine. Mine was going to be Pepe. So I'll have a quick look for another one. Um, Dave. Yeah, I was also going to say Pepe. So I think we've <laughs> almost got um, general consensus there. So uh, once Gilby said that, I've looked elsewhere. Uh, and I am looking at you, Gilby. So I am a massive fan of this guy. Uh, yes, he will be the top point scorer for his team, I believe. His team is my team, uh, Ishmael Assar. Great player. I would have loved to have had the chance to pick him myself if I was picking him from, say, round 12 or lower because whilst we did have a good win over Villa at the weekend, I think, uh, much like Nick's West Brom mates, where the uh, we're the yo-yo team and we're going to do well if we can avoid relegation. And if we do get relegated, that means that Saar hasn't scored enough points. Um, for a good pick later in the draft, uh, I'll go to Nathan. Round 12, Lucas Moura. As I said earlier in the pod, I do believe that Kane will go. Um, I think Man City need him more than Tottenham do. Uh, and if he goes, I think Lucas Moura is a good chance to step up and get a lot of points where in past seasons he's been disappointing. But, yeah, I think he's he's in for a good season. Very good. Uh, Mick, who have we got? Um, so I've got two for the uh, worst pick. Now, one of this would be my initial reaction on the night as it happened. Um Post round one, I've completely changed my tune. It could be a <laughs> blessing in disguise. Um, but yeah, round two, Ben Paul Pogba with about 13th pick, I think it was. And I looked at him going, mate, I actually said, I was like, mate, if you want any help, you need advice, ask, we can help. Comes out with four assists. He knows something I don't. Um, I, I can see you guys laughing, so I'm assuming you got some comments on that. Just, yeah. So with regards to that, so Paul Pogba, first game week, four assists. More assists than he had in the entirety of last season. So uh, French Paul Pogba is back with his ridiculous hair. And let's hope for all of our sakes that that doesn't continue for much longer. Is he overperformed though already? There we go. Yes. Um, <laughs> my, look, I was, we also thought the same thing, Nick, when, when he pulled out Pogba. I was... I was actually relieved in a sense as well because I thought it could have just been as likely that he picked Ward Prowse. So, you know, hey. Massive he, Southampton fan. Massive so, yeah. Southampton fan, which we'll, we'll talk about. So, look, good good pickup for that first game week. We'll see what what happens then. Uh, what else do you got, Mick? Yeah, with that as well, I've got uh, – if I go to – it's actually Ben's as well. So, picked up uh, round seven, Pookie. I think that might have been a bit early, especially when you look down the board and in round 13 he got St. Maximum. Um, I feel like that might have been a, a slightly massive reach. Um, I had one other one as well. I, it was a round eight for Dan, Tyrone Mings. Um, nothing against the guy, massive dude, set piece potential. I think Villa are going to be a decent team with a chance to actually get some goals um, and 
go high on the table, but yeah, I think round eight might be a bit early for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Gilby. Uh, yeah, Dan's um, the one that um, missed. I think I looked at Isaac at the same time as well, and we couldn't believe um, Bergwin uh, went that early. Uh, that that was a. Uh, I mean, he could prove us all wrong. He could be the starting striker of a Spurs and score fifteen goals, but uh, to take that early with a player that has barely played any minutes um, again, that was a that was a mystery one to me. Absolutely. And Gilby, you've put me in a tough position because that was going to be the one that I finished up on. But uh, well, give, no, just, it's going to give me a little bit more time here. Hold on. Just going on, Bergwijn. I'll add in here while you wait uh, there, Isaac. But yeah. I, I love a stat. Um, XG is getting really popular, expected goals. And having a look at Bergwijn, he played 78 minutes and he had the highest actually expected goals for all of Tottenham. So out of the goals that Tottenham should have scored, he should have scored more than half of them. So, I mean, if that's if that's how his season goes based on one game... Um, he might be a guy that, again, outperforms what we all thought. Um, I mean, they're due to get one right out of 15, right? Well, maybe helping you a bit, Isaac. I know we both uh, had talked about Jorginho. Mm. Um, so I don't know if you thought uh, Dan may have taken Jorginho a little early. I mean, potential Ballon d'Or for this year. We all know he's gone pretty well with that campaign. So we'll see how that goes. Look, I think, I think he still would have been there in later rounds. He did, I think, get an assist over the weekend and pick up some decent points. So, you know, um, we, we can say it's been a, a tough round. Uh, sorry, a, a bad pick. But until we actually get through a few game weeks, who knows? But that was another one that turned our heads. Um, I recall one that turned mine and Jeff's head in a positive light. Again, Nathan's had some pretty bad ones, but he's had some okay ones as well. Um, Pulisic was, I thought, round 10, a pretty good handy pickup because, you know, he will play a fair few minutes. I pretty much kept him almost all season last season, and he disappointed me greatly because um, hardly played. But, uh, you know, hopefully he can have a better season. And I actually think that, um, Rich Allison in round five was a pretty decent pickup as well for being around five picks. So he's, you know, he's had some stinkers, but he had some pretty good ones as well. Um, if I'm to be critical, I'll, I'm going to be critical of my own. I'm, I know I picked Bamford far too early, but again, I changed my tack. So look, we'll have to wait and see. That could be a bad one. I maybe could have done a little bit better there. Um, that's me being critical of myself. Um, but, you know, all in all, I think there's some good, there's some bad for everybody. Um, and we'll just have to wait and see how the season goes and, and keep a track of it. And I think at the end of the season, we can do a pretty good list of which players outperform their draft pick, which I think is going to be interesting to see. Um, Dave, what do you think? Yeah, I can see what you're saying around Bamford and I wouldn't have had him that high, uh, but I can understand why you would have picked him. Um, I've already said I'm a fan of Leeds's style under Bielsa, so yeah, that's that's not one that I would have made. But I don't see a problem with it, mm. and I completely yep. agree that Richarlison round five, my old Watford mate Ricky from Rio, uh, <laughs> his trajectory is incredible this season that he had for us. Um, We were devastated to see him go to Everton. Um, But at the time, you know, Everton is a bigger club than Watford and you don't want to stop anyone from progressing their career. 
and he's done just that. He's he's done great for Everton. Uh, not you know, it takes a special kind of player to be entrenched in the starting line at Brazil at his age. He's gone on and won a gold medal. It, there's going to be some questions, like we mentioned at the very start, around KDB and um, workload because he has, you know, he's done the Copa. He's then gone to the Olympics and he's straight back. He hasn't had an off-season. Um, but, yeah, good pick-up in round five. Absolutely. And the last one I'll leave you with, I was just having another quick look again. Last one for me, who I think is a bit of a steal considering how attacking this particular player has been in the past. Coming back off injury, Ben's picked up Pereira from Leicester in round 10, which I think is a pretty pretty decent pick um, for a very attacking a very attacking back. So I think that's one to watch as well, um, just from my point of view. Um, yeah, and just thinking back to the draft, I was lining him up for that same round yeah. um, before Ben snapped him. Absolutely. Alrighty, guys. Look, I think that's enough in terms of looking into our draft. Um, our next episode will be all about um, a review of game week one and maybe a bit of a preview of game week two. So stay tuned for that. Um, and, you know, we're excited to bring you this. We've been doing this for some time in terms of drafting, so it's going to be good to talk about it, find out a little bit more about how each of us as managers go about it, I think is going to be interesting as well. We haven't had too many discussions as a group about that before, so it'll be great. So, guys, thanks for listening in. Thanks to um, Dave, Mick, and Gilby for being here with us today, and we will catch you next episode. Thanks, everyone. And. Just quickly, sorry, I know you're signing off, Isaac. That's fine. Thanks to you for being the driver of this thing. Uh, We discussed it briefly towards the end of, um, sorry, towards the start of last season and it didn't get off the ground. Um, Bear with us for our production quality. Things will get better. (laughs) And at any stage, if you've got any comments, good, bad, indifferent, otherwise, let us know. Draftingthedregs at gmail.com for now until we change it but that's what we've got at the moment (laughs) absolutely and we'll have socials up shortly we might post um up our draft board as well try and get some comments try and find out from you who you think won the draft um and we'll go from there so guys thank you very much from all us at drafting the dregs have a fantastic week and we'll catch you soon thank you bye